Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Mickey Onverall, CEO of menswear brand Bonobos. When I talked to Mickey in May of this year, she told me that the company had just, and I quote, jammed in more learnings and swift pivots and innovations in eight weeks than in the eight years prior. I wanted to ask her how the last five months have compared, plus how Bonobos is planning for an unprecedented holiday season. Welcome, Mickey. Hi, Jill. Nice to see you. You as well. Okay. That last conversation in May, I mean, I was like, I can't imagine what you had just gone through. So pivot left, pivot right, pivot left. <laughs> Talk to me about what, what's been happening since. Have you, do you feel stable? Do you feel, can anybody feel stable at this point? It's a great question. I can't actually believe it was five months ago. It's a little terrifying. Right? You know, I think there's this, you know, that terrible expression, a new normal. I think we've all got used to the fact that change is normal. And right. that we have to be very fleet of foot and we need to be, you know, half a step ahead, if possible, of what's going on with the customer and with the competition and with the industry. And I think we've just got used to a, a new pace of working, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And as I said to you back then, you know, we were an innovating fast. And I think if anything, we've just had to continue and maintain that pace over the last five months. And what's been really exciting is to see some of the things that, you know, I alluded to, you know, five months ago, come into market and honestly be real runaway successes for us. And so now as we think forwards, it's about how do we build on those learnings? How do we build on those products we've taught, taken to market, those initiatives? How do we build, learn from them and continue to grow and put this business right back where it belongs. Yes. If you had to kind of bullet point out kind of the the top three to five changes uh, that you've really tackled uh, since yeah. May, what would they be? First of all, I, I think of you guys as being, you're obviously more than pants, but you're a great pants brand. Yeah. We're not seeing your pants on Zoom. So what's happening there? So pants is you know, our heritage and a really big part of our business. And we had to pivot pretty fast there. I will say that, you know, everybody wants something comfortable and elasticated waists are our friends. And so since we spoke, we have launched two programs. We've launched something called the Off-Duty Pant, which is an elasticated waist, lightweight chino. So super comfy um, to sit around in the office with so in your home office and um, we also launched something called the home stretch jogger which was a sort of elevated sweatpants so that you could feel like you were still making a bit of an effort in the morning when you right. often toddled to the other corner of your bedroom to do your first meeting of the day and both of those programs sold out in days and in fact we just got our third shipment of the off-duty pant, which is selling through equally fast as, as the first two shipments. So we have seen that those changes and shifts in our product, in our core product of pants, have been really successful for us. But then to the point you made about, you know, are people even wearing pants? We've <laughs> seen shorts be the new pants, which has oh. been so interesting. We always had a meaningful shorts business, but the growth that we have seen in our shorts business, even as we get into the fall and, and winter, and obviously in New York, it's hard to imagine right now people wearing shorts. But if you're at home and you're not going out all day, maybe you are wearing a pair of 
a pair of shorts. And we're certainly seeing shorts track, not just in New York, but all across the country. So for us, it has been about, you know, leaning into what's working like this shorts phenomenon, as well as innovating and shifting our pants business into what people really are looking for right now, which is, as I said, you know, elasticated waists. <laughs> the rage. <laughs> so I'd say that sort of bullet point, bullet point number one was really shifting in the product um, itself. I would say the second biggest shift was in our service. So service has always been a cornerstone of our brand. And as our stores have opened up, obviously people are still somewhat reluctant to go into stores. So we've really been leveraging our guides, which are our teams in our stores to deliver virtual service to our customers, either because they're chatting in through our website or our guides are reaching out to them to try and offer them the same service we've always offered um, in a more virtual way than we have done historically. And then I think probably the third biggest change, and we talked about this earlier this year, is how we market. Um, yeah. You know, ever more important to be contextually relevant, culturally relevant, and not be tone deaf. And that's not just because of COVID-19 and making sure that we are messaging appropriately around what people are looking for right now, but also with the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the social shifts we've seen in this country over the last few months and since we talked, it's been ever more important to make sure that we are speaking to customers in a way that is relevant. And that has created you know opportunities um, and it has created real focus for the team I think in terms of making sure you really understand the customer when you're communicating to them. Yeah has it been difficult because I know that I've always thought of you as a brand that champions size diversity um, inclusivity I would say as more brands are kind of um entering your playing field <laughs> has it become more competitive and uh what other kind of areas in terms of diversity and inclusion um have you had to make changes around i guess yeah so our mission statement is creating a world where we all fit so yes yeah. that has started with the product and size inclusivity i would say we had always done a really good job with inclusivity along the dimension of gender identity and sexuality i think what we had done in front of the camera, i.e. in casting, was represent racial diversity. I think what we hadn't done is champion it with as strong a voice as honestly we should have done and we have had the right to do. So starting in June, we started to take real action both internally and externally to really drive that message of inclusivity across every dimension, um, including racial diversity. And I think it's a journey for us as much as it is for many other brands. But I think it's very true to who we are um, from an authenticity perspective. And we've seen the response from our customer base to be you know, very welcoming and encouraging. And only yesterday, um, we posted to our Instagram feed a um, gender fluid piece of content and yep. it's so interesting to see the positive reaction that we get from people by taking a stand for inclusivity welcoming all people no matter you know who they are how they live or 
or what they believe. Um, and so we're just continued, we'll continue that journey and we're excited to continue that journey and hopefully have a small impact on our small corner of the world. Yes. Is the approach just kind of go bold or go home? I do. I was going to call out that Instagram post with the the gentleman in, in the bright lipstick and I saw the same comments like, this is why I love bonobos. Thank you guys. Like, yeah. What's the approach overall? No fear. And if people don't like it, tough. That's exactly the approach. Um, you will have seen in that same Instagram feed number of people posting unfollow. And honestly, I don't care. At the end of the day, I believe that, you know, in order for us to have a more productive and welcoming society, that we need to welcome all sorts and all kinds. And if we can play a small part, as I said, in advancing that message, then I want us to do that. Um, and so we will continue to do it. I mean, we've been doing that. We did that with Evolve the Definition, which is now two years ago, uh, more than two years ago. And I think that we just need to continue that journey to drive diversity across, across every dimension. What else are you doing in terms of marketing? Where are you putting your spend? What's working? Yeah, what's working? Well, I feel like everybody wants to know the answer to that. <laughs> Question of the day. Question of the day. I think that what we are seeing be most effective for us is, this sounds um, obvious, but to meet demand where it is. So we continue to invest very heavily in search because obviously that is the most engaged customer. And when I say invest, I mean in paid search, but also investing content that drives organic search. Um, we're also continuing to see great results through content in our emails and really driving increased kind of engagement there by having, as I mentioned earlier, incredibly relevant and contextual content. We are continuing to spend, you know, slightly higher up the funnel in display and, and paid social. But honestly, what we're really seeing work for us is meet consumers where the intent is which is which is lower funnel because honestly we can't create demand that isn't there you know not everybody is thinking about clothing right now people are thinking about many many other things that are more fundamental in so right. many ways for so many people so we just need to go where where the demand is and tap into that rather than trying to as i say to the team internally push water uphill with a fork <laughs> Yeah, I remember you told me about this great email that was happening uh, maybe at the start of quarantine. Yes. I think it wasn't even pushing product. It was seemed like it was more fun. Is that still happening? Yeah, it is. Um, we still we still send that out and we're still seeing it's called For Your Friday and it's a mix of content um, and it's sort of the lighter side of life. We feel that, you know, it's important in these tough times that as a brand, we spread a little joy as well. So we do still send that email out every Friday. And actually, that's an interesting segue, Jill, into sort of how we're even thinking about holiday, which you teed up yes. right at the beginning of this, which is we want to be that little bit of joy at holiday. You know, it's been a tough year. Um, and at the end of the day, everyone is looking for some, some light relief. And as a brand that has always believed in not just great fitting pants, but a little bit of joy and a bit of sunshine um, in your life, that's very much what we'll be leaning into this holiday is that joyful content um, across the board. Okay, great. When do you start messaging holiday? I know some, some companies, <laughs> I was going to say, some companies are doing it now. Is it a 
is holiday now. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I think that we believed that October 1 was the beginning of holiday. That's yes. when we started to think about it. And as many brands did, you know, coinciding with Prime Day um, last week, we started to message, you know, gifting um, last week week before I guess now so we started to message you know gift yourself and gift others alongside that promotion and we're actually running another sort of gift yourself promotion right now where if you purchase during that period of time we give you $20 towards buying yourself a little treat for the holiday so we have definitely started messaging holiday we've already extended our returns window through January 15th so that people can buy with confidence um, now for gifting. And I know that sounds terrifying that it's October. We haven't even had Halloween yet. <laughs> and we're already starting to talk about holiday, but everything that we have learned from the customer over the last few months is that they are going to be shopping earlier. They're going to be shopping more judiciously because maybe they have taken pay cuts or they have lost a job or they're just being cautious about what may be around the corner. So there will be an elongated holiday season, I believe, this year. And there will be one where people are even more careful about where they spend their hard-earned dollars. So we want to make that easy for them through service. We want to make that easy for them through returns, easy from a discount at the appropriate time perspective, um, and making sure, as I said, that all the product is as relevant as it can, and giftable as it can be. Yes, to kind of uh, prepare for that uh, I guess, influx of e-commerce sales traffic. Did it mean more hires? Where did you have to kind of uh, boost the, the the resources, the team that was behind making this happen? Yeah, so I think I mentioned this to you earlier in the year, but one of the key things, as I said, is service is a core value proposition for us. So from a team perspective, the biggest evolution has been to take guides who work in our stores and have them offering customer support um, and assisted selling and virtual styling. And so we have not expanded our customer service team that we traditionally have housed in our office in here in New York. What we have done is sort of expanded the team virtually through those guides that we have in the stores. And what's been so amazing to, to watch happen is the cross-pollination between those two teams, the learning from each other, and honestly, the real effectiveness of having people who are very service oriented, talking to customers, helping them make their choices and ultimately driving extremely high conversion rates um, right now through this program that we call Guides on Chat. We'll be right back after this quick break. What does a longer holiday season mean? Does it mean discounts through promotions for the three months? Is it a big kind of... I don't know, killing the margins. Is it? Is it? Is it worth it in the end? Um, what does it mean? Let's hope it doesn't kill the margins, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be very positive with my questions yes. here. Go ahead. <laughs> Honestly, for me, it's going to be about. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but you know, this the fact that people are going to be pacing their spend. They're going to be very careful about what they buy, and so for us, that means yes, extended returns. It means regularly bringing newness between now and and holiday so that there's a kind of a constant wave of something to that's for everybody um between now and holiday yes it's going to mean discounts this year i mean listen discounts are a fact of life in retail at this time of year every year yeah. uh, and i think it's probably 
worse this year than ever because people know the sort of financial pressures that many customers are after. But I don't think it can be just about that. You can't just discount your way to success. That's a very slippery slope. I really believe it's adding value through relevant product, constant newness, really high quality product, and through high quality service as well. And I think that's what it looks like, you know, between now and the the almighty Cyber Monday. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be really interesting what happens between Cyber Monday and and true sort of. December 25th and the end of the shopping season because so many retailers are are struggling with deliveries and shipments Um, and so that's going to be the really challenging part I think for us all is how do we continue to get the product into consumers hands in in a timely fashion and that's something that we have been very much focused on with our distribution partners is to make sure that you know, when a customer places an order, we can deliver to their expectation of having that in their hands or their gifties hands when they expect it. So I think that that part of service and the operational part of service, you know, cannot be um, forgotten, um, yeah. particularly this year when so many of us have struggled so much with with shipment times. You mentioned kind of uh, refreshing. There's going to be some newness newness throughout the, the season. Um, have you guys tweaked your, uh, I guess, yeah, rollout schedule, your production schedule? Is there less inventory uh, at a time? What's going on there? Yes. I mean, I'm not, much like many other retailers, inventory has been a real focus for us. As I think I have mentioned to you before, we're at an advantage because we don't stock inventory in our stores and we have a single source of inventory that we pull from for all of our channels. So we're not in quite the predicament that you know others have been in, um, fortunately. I think for us now, it's we are operating in what we would call a chase mentality, which is we're putting out some product, we're seeing how it tracks, and then we're chasing fast into you know fast follow product. And that is a that is a different mentality than we had, you know, a year ago, two years ago, where we would, you know, make a bet and honestly hope it stuck. Now we are shifting that way of thinking to, you know, let's put a product out there. Let's be prepared for success, but let's not expose ourselves in case we've got something, you know, a little bit wrong. And I'd say the off-duty pan that I mentioned before is a great example of that. You know, we're on our we're on our third shipment, um, and we hadn't even conceived of that pan at the beginning of COVID. And here we are, six months later, we're on our third shipment. So I think that gives you an example of how we're constantly iterating. I mean, we launched a hoodie last week, um, and it sold out. So now we're chasing into four new colors of it. I mean, nice. so we're learning, and it's just sort of interesting, isn't it? You know, we're a brand that very much was about you know suiting and what we have seen is that our customer loves our brand and what we stand for in terms of the joy in our product and our fit and they are willing to and want to see us in categories where we haven't historically always played like you know the home stretch jogger like our hoodies you know like the opportunity pant and we have a we have a third we have a third pant, uh, new pant coming in a couple of weeks, just in time for for Black Friday, that we're really excited about. That we think is going to be, you know, another runaway for success for us. Nice. So as you lean into these new categories, you mentioned suiting. Does that mean kind of phasing out, or are you able to just dress him for all areas of life? Is that is that the plan? 
We still want to address him for all areas of life, recognizing that those areas of his life has, have evolved. So people are still going to get married. People are still going to, you know, have moments where they want to wear a suit. That is always going to exist. I think suiting as, you know, a, you know, where to work kind of uniform, it was always evolving. It's just gone through another sort of spurt of change, if you like. So we're really focused in that category on versatile separates. So how do we get um, versatile products that you can wear the, the jacket on its own, you can wear the pants on its own, so you have sort of more use cases for it? Yeah. But we're also focused on comfort in that category too. So um, we have a knit blazer that is like super, super stretchy. We have a knit suit um, that is incredibly comfortable and stretchy. And if you want to wear the pants, great. If you want to wear the blazer with a pair of jeans, also great. So we're focused on comfort in that category as we are in our other categories, but also very importantly, that versatility. But there's still going to be a place for a classic suit. It just might not be as big. Yes. Is there still going to be a place for physical retail? What's been your, uh, have you changed your approach to stores? What's happening there? Flipping around here. (laughs) Yes, flipping around from product to stores. There is always going to be a place for stores. I believe that, you know, even if you talk to customers now, depending on the source that you talk to, anywhere between 50 to 60% of customers want to look, touch, and feel the product, particularly on more considered purchases like outerwear, for example, or or a suit or just a wool dress pant. You know, there are times when you just want to look, touch, and, and feel the product. So I think there is always going to be a role for that experience. I think what the four walls look like and what it's like when you walk in the doors of those four walls is going to change. I think the locations, I think malls are going to have to reinvent themselves into more of these lifestyle centers where we continue to see those sort of outperform traditional malls. So mall owners, retailers like us, they're all going to just have to focus on that experience that encourages somebody to get off of the couch and come into the store to look, touch and feel their product. As I said, there will still be a role. It's just going to evolve. I feel like your store, have they always kind of led with convenience? Have they led with the experience? Uh, will the approach change? Because I'm hearing that that it's one way or the other. It's going to be convenient, in and out, curbside pickup, or it's going to be your, your experience is so fab that you just have to buy something <laughs> to remember <laughs> this. I like to think of our stores as service centers, which yes. doesn't mean that sounded like um, something for cars when I <laughs> But I like to think of them as a place where you come and you understand your fit, you understand style, you have a really great interaction with a fabulous human being, and it's a really valuable brand touch point for both us and the and the customer. And I think that orientation around service and experience is is going to be the thing that differentiates us. Curbside pickup doesn't fit with our model anyway because we don't carry yeah. inventory. But even so, I don't think it's congruent with the brand experience that we're we're looking to build, which is much more sort of personalized and humanized. And that's something that we want to continue to deliver, whether that's in the physical store or whether that's something online. And that's why we've been so excited to see the results of guides on chat and what we're seeing, you know, we're seeing north of 50% conversion rate when one of our guides interacts with a customer through through our chat and online, which is amazing. Nice. And that just tells me that customers really value 
that service. And I joke with the team that LinkedIn has become, my LinkedIn inbox has become the place where I do customer service because the number of emails I get on a weekly basis praising our team in my LinkedIn inbox is, is amazing. And it's because people feel like we'll go above and beyond. And right, people have always valued that, but right now, going above and beyond and a brand going above and beyond is something that customers are really engaging with. What else are customers valuing? Maybe have some of these new kind of partners and vendors been difference makers? I know that um, I think Affirm is a yeah. new partner. Um, what else are, are they kind of is helping to clinch the sale, I guess, if anything new? Yeah, I mean, we we launched Affirm um, sort of tail. I can't even remember what month it was, no, a couple of months ago now. And we're definitely seeing adoption um, of our product and of that payment method by new customers and, and younger customers as well. I think that that is probably, you know, not surprising given the um, sort of the, the economic situation in the country today. I would say that, you know, payment methods and convert, you know, things that can drive conversion rate like that are important. But honestly, I don't think they have been the biggest difference makers. I think it's the product and it's the service. And I, I'm sorry if I keep repeating myself, Jill. No, it's I great. Have a very firm belief that, you know, right product delivered the right way is what um, what customers are looking for. Yes. Was, do you feel like your e-commerce site was prepared for this? Um your customer service kind of utilizing the store employees was already in place prior. Uh, anything else you kind of had to get up to par? Um, if you think about the historic, you know, kind of historically our business, our business has always been predominantly e-commerce. So I don't think we had the same catch-up game to play there, yeah. honestly, as other retailers did. And I think that, you know, the biggest catch-up game we had to play was on the, was on the product side. Um, because we were where to work and now we want to be where everywhere. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> it's a Talk- big deal. Yeah. <laughs> the supply chain is historically, you know, somewhere in the seven to nine month timeline. Being able to respond as we have within just the period of six months, that has been the biggest shift. It's shifting supply chain, shifting product, and then and shifting spend from a marketing perspective. I guess they're both challenges, kind of um, selling the idea to your current customer that you can get other <laughs> other things here. But also, is this working to acquire new customers that are more the sweatpants kind of a guy? Yeah, we definitely are still, see, you know, we definitely are seeing a, you know, younger, more casual demographic start to start to enter the brand. And I think products like Affirm, as I mentioned, have sort of helped that as well. Um, that is definitely a journey that we're on. And I think we're excited to see continue into 2021. Tell me about Walmart as a parent company. Um, I think we've talked in the past. It was more so like, it's great to have that backing. It's almost, I don't know if you would call it a, a like not a safety net, but it's they support the business. And you're still able to kind of work independently. Has anything changed there? Um, and did I, am I putting words in your mouth? Nothing's <laughs> <laughs> changed in terms of the relationship. I think that um, I'm not sure I would characterize it as a as a safety net. Um, but um, we obviously, you know, there have been moments during this where, for example, at 
you know, early on in COVID, I think I mentioned this to you before, that as we closed our stores, we had the opportunity to give our employees continued employment by giving them the opportunity to work at Walmart if they wanted to. So those have been some of the benefits of being part of a larger organization, certainly in the early days of COVID when other retailers were having to take more drastic actions. And, you know, I'm I'm very proud of the fact that we were able to offer continued employment to all of, you know, to all of our team through that time. Um, But I think has anything changed in terms of fundamentally with our relationship with Walmart? No, we continue to run independently. We continue to, you know, be responsible for our own P&L and and to innovate and to address, you know, our customer independently. Yes. Tell me about your workplace. Are you guys back at the office? You're not, obviously. Are you going back to the office? In the office. we are not back in the office. We are working through our plans there, but I don't think we will be back in the office um, until probably spring of next year. I think that for us, um, one of the challenges amongst many of being back in the office, including being in a downtown Manhattan location, is parents. Um, yeah. And in New York, with schools not back or and schools either being hybrid or uncertain, I think one of the things that we're trying to do is make sure that we are enabling all of em- our employees, including parents, to sort of balance and juggle all the things that they've got going on in their lives. And frankly, and speaking as a parent of three children, if I had to get into the office on top of having to three- homeschool three children, I think it would be frankly impossible. No so doubt. We're trying to maintain that flexibility for our employees. We'll take it one month at a time. Definitely. Looking forward, let's say the next five months, if I talk to you again then, uh, what <laughs> what is the biggest challenge you're facing um, or what's kind of weighing on your mind? The biggest challenge in the next five months, gosh, I wish I had a crystal ball um, <laughs> because I think that would put me in a good spot probably. Um, I think how quickly consumer confidence comes back. I yes. think none of us have the answer to that. We're all pivoting and we're innovating and we're trying to make sure we're as relevant to customers as we, you know, possibly can be. But none of us know um, when consumer confidence is going to come back. And, you know, that is true globally um, in terms of from a COVID perspective. Obviously, in the US, that is further complicated by the upcoming election. And I think the that is the biggest single thing on my mind is that, you know, how can we stay ahead of that as a business? You know, we're doing all the things that we know how to do. And then there's a big unknown. And that is probably the thing that weighs on my mind most nights as I go to sleep is, you know, what's the next thing that we need to take, you know, stay half a step ahead of. Definitely. And last question, what would make for, uh, a successful holiday season. What what in your eyes would say we did good? Oh, well, apart from hitting our sales targets for the <laughs> holiday, I will tell you that NPS is my North Star all year round. But yeah. I think net promoter score a holiday um, is crucially important for a couple of reasons. The first is, is through Black Friday and Cyber Monday, we acquire a ton of customers, a ton. Um, and so making sure that their first experience of Bonobos is stellar and that they have a very high net promoter score actually is great in the moment. It also helps set us up for, for next year. And then I think um, net promoter score across the board for both new and existing customers 
will continue to be important as everybody is, you know, fighting for their dollar. And I think it's, but I think it's going to be more challenging this year to deliver a great net promoter score, honestly, because of some of the shipping situation that are not in the control of brands in some cases. Um, And so I think net promoter score, if we manage, we have an extremely high net promoter score. We always have done. If we can maintain that where it stands today, which is in the mid seventies, I will be extremely happy because it will mean that we've done a great job as a team. It will also mean that we are continuing to set ourselves up for sort of future brand growth. Come on, net promoter school. Yeah. <laughs> I have all the faith, Mickey. <laughs> I, I am feel extremely fortunate. We have an incredibly talented team and they're very, very focused on the customer and they follow that number like a hawk. Um, and we read all of the attractors and the detractors and we're, you know, constantly on it trying to deliver that experience so um it's really hard work it certainly doesn't happen um by chance so i feel very grateful to be the ceo of a team that is so resolutely focused on the customer and delivering the experience i lied last question uh the customers you're acquiring at the back end of the year cyber monday through end of year is that mostly through a search is it just across the board it's across the board. I will tell you the biggest difference in uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, in terms of who we acquire, is we acquire more women. Yes. In in that period of time, so we actually compared to traditional retail, which is about forty percent of menswear is bought by women for a significant other of some sort. Um, for most of the year, that hovers around ten percent for bonobos. Holiday, it spikes up to almost thirty percent. So nice. the customers that we get shopping are, are holiday. They come in through the same channels. It's just that they, um, who they are is a little different, which means that we need to deliver them a different kind of experience because shopping for a pair of pants, not for yourself, um, is a little different than if you're buying for yourself. Right on. Mickey, this was so fun. Good luck this holiday season. It's so good to Soon. talk to you. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.